But when enough people make false promises, words stop meaning anything. Then there are no more answers, only better and better lies. And lies won't help us in this fight. That is indeed a problem. The more immediate problem is that we're fucked. Any ideas as to how we might change that state of affairs? Welcome back to all of our beautiful listeners. Monster Mangus here in the nation's capital. Back at it for another Stew Crew sesh. <clears throat> this week, episode 14, the White Walkers are back. Breaking down everything you need to know in the world of sports and entertainment. Let's go ahead and kick it over to the rest of the minds behind the action. Coming to us from the West Coast, the SF Girthquake. How we doing, kid? Doing good, boys. I uh, had a wonderful Easter weekend. I apologize to my mom for missing church again. Um, yeah, happy but that's Easter. Okay. Happy Easter, anyways. Hop, hop, Had a man. nice prime rib brunch. It was great. Good shit. Well, next up, coming to us from Richmond, Virginia, getting his PhD, Tommy Lasagna. How we doing? Uh, we're doing good. It's another week in the books, and, uh, you know, keep getting them listens up, keep getting them follows up, and keep the fans happy. Loving it. Well, lastly, coming to us uh, from what I assume is a computer straight from the 90s, uh, Mr. Jernigan. How we doing, kid? It's the original Mac. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's 420 over yet. That's how I'm doing. (laughs) Oh, we don't know. We don't know. We're still trying to figure it out. Uh, Well, uh, let's go ahead and just kick right into it then, boys. I think Joe Flacco is actually a very elite quarterback. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. You got my vote. Number one man, greatest quarterback of all time, hands down, Tom Brady. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a good little show in here for you tonight. Uh, like I said, we're going to keep you informed and also entertained. we got a little bit of banner Obviously, spoiler alert, we're going to talk to you a little bit about a Game of Thrones uh, <clears throat> teaser. I actually watched it for, for once. We're going to talk a little bit about the MLB. And most importantly, we're going to talk what we have deprived you of, which is NHL playoff talk. Uh, we are more than in the thick of it, and we want to give you guys the action. <clears throat> then uh, we'll wrap things up with a little buzzer beaters um, and obviously some NFL drafts. So. Let's go ahead and kick into it with uh, Banner. I'll turn it over to you guys. But before I do, I do want to give a quick shout-out. Um, first and foremost, thoughts and prayers to the individuals and their families that were affected by the terrorist attacks in Sri Lanka over the weekend. Um, I believe that the death tolls at about 290 with 500 injured. So um, beyond devastating, but they've uh, seemingly swept up about 24 of the individuals involved, and I think we should go ahead and just bring back the guillotine. Get rid of these clowns. Um, Gas chamber. Big, gui- big guillotine guy. <laughs> yeah, big guillotine guy. I, I'm a big believer. But, you know, but in all honesty, uh, seriously, you know, felt and, and, you know, thoughts and prayers. So to uh, ease in and transition a little more humorous, I ask you all, would you rather have hands that kept growing as you got older or feet that kept growing as you got older? I got to go with hands. Uh, simply, you know, um, palming a basketball, like palming three basketballs, rather. That's a lot That's a lot cooler than, like, being able to ski on your fucking feet, you know? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm also going to go with hands here. Just I got small hands to begin with, so I, I figured I could get away with that. I uh, use a couple extra inches in my fingers. Granted, like... If I had like four foot long fingers by the time I was dead, that would it would get to a point where it would be an issue. But I mean, uh, I'm gonna go with I'm going with hands too, dude. If your feet keep growing, it means you got to keep getting new shoes, and that's a pain in the ass. Ooh, yes. Well, then I'm changing yeah, my fucking answer. Uh, I am no. gonna ski on my feet. Then look, I was gonna say I was gonna give you a little entertainment and some sports. I'm gonna go with feet, and you don't need all that much skill to be an NFL punter. I'm just gonna fucking. <laughs> just kick you, balls. You think big feet is gonna help you punt the football? Yeah, dude. Your uncoordinated absolutely. ass is gonna fucking shank yeah, that shit. Like swinging a sledgehammer so versus what, a regular hammer. What sport hammer? would be easiest having the biggest feet in the world? Like, what would be the most advantageous? 
<coughs> I don't think anything. None. How about none? <laughs> yeah. Gymnastics, maybe? I'm thinking, like, put, put me in net, and I'd be a professional <laughs> goaltender, and I would just lay on my back and just feed up. Be the easiest You're money I'd ever You're out of made. your mind. You're out of your mind. Nut job. Well, <clears throat> speaking of nut jobs, we got uh, Danny Amendola coming in hot with an Instagram meltdown, uh, midlife crisis from the kid. So we'll turn it over to Tommy to talk about his former Patriot. Yeah, this is weird because he's you know usually a normal, quiet, humble guy, but he went on this giant rant about him and his now ex-girlfriend Olivia Culpo. Um, and it, it Shout out Olivia Culpa. Yeah, if you're listening Babe. to this, fuck Danny, give me a call. <laughs> but um, no, he, he went like off the rails here saying how she all, all she wanted was fame and she's all about you know being in the, in the limelight and gaining media followers and all the hype and how he doesn't want that and he's you know quiet, humble, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you're, you're kind of contradicting yourself going onto social media and blowing all this shit up. I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know their relationship very well. But it's just not a good look for him. Just salt bay over here. Poor guy. Um, also hilarious that, I mean, this is just what happens when you go to play football in Detroit. You literally lose your mind. And he hasn't even, <laughs> he hasn't even stepped on the fucking field yet. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, whole, the best part about the whole post is that apparently at Coachella, Olivia Culpo was spotted with uh, DJ Zed. I'm not really big into the that kind of music scene, but it's just Zed. It's just Zed. Well, anyways, she was spotted with Zed, and he kind of ended it with like a slapstick punchline. And he was like, "You know, I just want her to be happy, and if dancing with scrawny little bitches makes you happy, then so be it." Ooh, (laughs) come on. We, I, bet, we get it. I bet Zed was shaking in his boots a little bit, though. You know, he, he Sounds was like looking it. at it, and he was like, eh, you know what, Olivia, take, maybe you keep taking shit, Taking shit from the smallest receiver in the NFL is That's really what I was just look. about to say. Uh, it sounds like Danny's pretty pissed that he's like 5'7". <laughs> little man syndrome to the max. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's go ahead and just get it over with and talk a little bit about what gets you guys off uh, every Sunday. Uh, Game of th- if Game by, of if by getting off you mean Game of Thrones, then yeah, yeah man. let's do it. Yeah, well, I, I'm all about little, that. Little life. insight, uh, you know, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> 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 no, never, never watched the show. Uh, a good friend of mine pulled me in to watch this this episode, and I got to tell you, uh, I was a little impressed, but it was a little little weirded out. Uh, but I'm going to turn over to these guys to talk about you know all the good gooey shit. Well, to start. Um, They've now successfully, which maybe waste is a bit of a strong word, but they've successfully wasted two hours of my fucking life this season uh, just just sort of drawing the blueprint for what's to come. And, and man, if, if it doesn't come hard, then, then shame on them because, like, it's, it's just been boring as hell. Like, this, this season or this past episode was just, like, 60 straight minutes of – I don't know, t- t- tying up some loops and talking and flirtatious little crushes and shit, and it all ends with, like, Arya getting the dick, and come on, like, I'm ready for the fight. Thankfully, the fight is here next Dude, week, but goddamn. It it was the first episode in Game of Thrones, in the entire series of Game of Thrones, where there wasn't a death. Really? Like, really? There was a that, death in the first half episode? Half the reason why I tune into the show is to see someone just get fucking murked. I'm sorry, but... Yeah, the first episode, there was a beheading... Nice. I mean, that's how you do it. I, I will yeah. say that, like, the like the it was nice to see the tie ups of like Jamie and all the Starks and um, Theon and Sansa, you know, reuniting, blah blah blah. But they needed to cram all this into two episodes because next week everyone is fucked. People are going to start dropping like flies. Uh, yeah, so, you're right about that. They just had to tie it all up. Yeah. Who, um, I don't even watch. Right, quick I don't, question. Like I said, I don't watch the show, and everyone I feel is going to die. Quick question: Who is going to be the biggest name to to die in this battle next episode? Uh, I think Brienne is going to die. Brienne is definitely what about dead. Jamie. Um, I'm gonna I think say Jamie's going to no. be around and kill his sister. Oh shit! Yeah, well, Jamie's going to end up killing his sister and. Um, definitely Brienne of Tarth. You know, they gave her her moment, her little smiling moment with the tears, 
and unfortunately yeah, she's she's, she's gonna go fuck. down like yeah. a sack of potatoes, like a giant <laughs> yeah. giant sack of potatoes. <laughs> they drew it up. They're drawing up the battle plans in that scene, and they're like, "All right, yeah, uh, Dothraki here, uh, Stark's over here. Uh, Bran, we're just gonna put you front and center. Take down as many as <laughs> yeah. you fucking can. You're a knight now, so you have to listen to us. Get the fuck out there and do your job." Dude, honestly, dude, I think I think I think Tyrion's going. He's gonna drop too. Because the first episodes, all he talks about is, is pretty much how he's going to die. I agree. Alluding to his death. I mean, shit, man. Well, one one thing that the episode kind of kept alluding to was how safe the crypts are under Winterfell. And if that doesn't raise a giant red flag, then you have been following Game of Thrones very closely. Uh, to be quite honest, I am not sure. There are a lot of smart people chilling in Winterfell right now, and how none of them are like, wait a second. We have an army of dead people coming, and we're going to send all the women and children and Tyrion, you know, the, the hand to the queen. Um, we're going to send them underground to hang out with the dead people under Winterfell. <laughs> like, that's, that's just the dumbest shit I've ever heard. So everyone who is that's down there and dies deserves to die. So that's what I'm not understanding. In the crypts, what's, I thought it was just the statues of the past Starks. No, it's it's essentially like an underground graveyard. So it's like okay. hundreds of years of dead bodies. They're entombed, yeah. And I mean, and so, uh, so I saw the it, Night King is going to just resurrect these people and just cause yeah, chaos. Yeah, Ned, Ned Stark's going to be on the bad side. And like oh, I, I, I saw me. like uh, an interesting take on it earlier. Like if you're running from a guy with a flamethrower, like you're not going to run into a, a a firework factory. It's you just might. correct. I mean, you you, if you're a big dumb idiot, then maybe. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Tom. Um, what else? What else happened? Oh, uh, probably the biggest bit of information that came out of this episode was how Bran was like, "Oh no, I know what the Night King wants. He wants me." And it kind of like for the first time in eight seasons shed light on what exactly the White Walkers wanted, which I thought was interesting, and. I just don't really see how, like, I just don't really know if anybody is going to survive next week. Like, what is the, if the end game is they're all going to well, die, like. The unfortunate part, unless the, 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 it would be the most savage move ever if they just wrote the show that the Night King wins the Battle of Winterfell and just comes down to King's Landing and just destroys everyone. That would be, like, that would be a pretty savage way to go about it, but the fact that there's, after this episode, three more. What are there? Six in total. Yes. If I, like it just makes it, it just doesn't make sense. Like they're obviously, you know, the human, the the living are going to win the battle. Don't really know how that's going to go about. Don't know who's going to be left afterwards, and then they're going to march whoever they have left down to King's Landing to try to take out Cersei and the Golden Company. Well, lastly, that's, that's just what makes most sense. You know, the I guess uh, Tom is correct. You know that that was a huge tidbit. Um, sort of finding out sort of what what the actual goal of the of the Night King is, crushing all the human memories, which is what Bran holds. And also, you know, the cliffhanger that they left us out on, which they always leave on, uh, was uh, Khaleesi and Jon Snow. You know, he finally confronts her and says that he's the rightful heir. She doesn't love that. And then next thing you know, they sound the alarms, you know. So we'll see how that plays out also. Yeah, and one thing on that, I fucking I don't know what it is all of a sudden, but the show writers are kind of making Danny off to be like, oh, I only care about the throne. Like she's there, like lights are on, but no one's home when it comes to like the actual battle at hand. And I don't really know what what to make of how she kind of just like shrugged everything off. But Danny kind of sucks this season. I dude, I agree. Actually. <clears throat> the more we, the more we talk about it, and like the whole John telling her that he's the rightful heir and he's Aegon Targaryen, the more like her dying in this next episode kind of like seems like there's a real possibility. Not the worst thing in the world. It would no, but I, I mean, it, it would suck for a lot, like a lot of reasons. But at the same time, it that that seems pretty reasonable that she goes down. Maybe the Night King takes down her dragon while she's on it. You know. She gets, she dies in that moment, and then John comes in and uh, and ultimately kills the Night King. 
crazy, man. You guys are a bunch of nerds. I hope not. <laughs> I, yeah. Dude, yeah. I, I well, was geeking on... I, was I on, won't deny that. I saw on Twitter, uh, T-Pain had posted something about the fact that when they were handing out soup to everyone, not a single one of them took bread on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting There's just, just loaves of bread, and everyone assumes you have a little soup, a little bread, not a single soul. So, what, Carter, what were your thoughts on the episode? Um, I thought it was interesting. I uh, had absolutely zero context, so coming in on Season 8, Episode 2 was uh, a bit overwhelming. Yeah, you missed one or two things, but safe to, safe to say, Isom pretty much hates me. I asked about <clears throat> five billion questions. Classic, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it, it, I mean, I thought it was you know it was super entertaining. I was really pissed when you know they closed it out with the little man just looking over the fucking wall at the massive army of uh, you know the dead. Those horses are badass, man. I'll tell you one thing. If they do anything right in that, it's just like the costumes and the graphics and the, all yeah. of it. Well, on, on that note, I, I tweeted it out, but um, of all of the production that goes into it, they really skimped the statue of Lyanna Stark in the crypts. I feel like I could have put something together better with a fucking Play-Doh set when it came to it. It looks like a it really chocolate Easter bunny, doesn't it? It, it really so rivals no, the like uh, retail mannequin. It really it rivals like the buff put together of Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's go ahead and move on. Um, Tom, why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown right now of the MLB Power Five for you, um, and we'll kick off a discussion afterwards. Uh, yeah, so just an update. Um, obviously, I got to do my little tidbit on the Red Sox. Um, the hangover is over. We just swept Tampa Bay. Uh, look out for Boston. That's all I'm going to say right now. They didn't make my top five this week. Uh, but number one, I have the Houston Astros. They've won like 10 of the last 12. Uh, and, and rightfully so. They just have a, a juggernaut of a team. Uh, followed by the Dodgers, um, who obviously, without Clayton Kershaw, um, there are some question marks there. But their offense has just been off the charts. Cody Bellinger is on fire. Uh, he doesn't get the recognition that Christian Yelich gets because, you know, he's a West Coast market. Uh, he's not the reigning MVP, but Cody Bellinger has just been lighting it up. Um, third and fourth, I have the Tampa Bay Rays and the Pittsburgh Pirates, both of which have stellar bullpens and starting rotations. Uh, they're, you know, top one, two uh, in terms of, you know, starter ERA, team ERA. And uh, lastly, I'm going to round up with the Philadelphia Phillies. Just with, you know, their their front end of their bullpen. Um, and obviously, in case you guys didn't know, they have Bryce Harper. Pretty pretty good guy to have in your lineup. Makes every team better. So right now, that's my top five. Um, subject to change. I'll throw up a little post about it. A little more detail tomorrow. Um, but it brought me up to my group discussion uh, for baseball. And the unwritten rules that go along with it, which I personally think is the best part of the game, or one of the best parts of the game. But just a little, a little context here. Uh, last weekend, Tim Anderson, if you guys don't know him, he's the shortstop of the Chicago White Sox, and he hit a fucking moon rocket home run and just tossed his bat in the next week. Such a disrespectful bat flip. Um, <laughs> Neither the ball nor the bat have landed yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and obviously, the unwritten rules of baseball come into play, and the next at-bat, he gets hit. And, I mean, that's just how it is. You know, you're not going to get that disrespectful in baseball without getting away with it. And he wore the pitch. The, the pitcher did it the right way. He hit him in the ass. Uh, nothing serious there. But uh, a lot of people are arguing that you know, this is uncalled for and people can get seriously hurt. And so my discussion for today is, you know, these unwritten rules of baseball, things like that where, you know, the pitchers are going to look out for their team. And, you know, if, if there's a big play at the plate, the catchers are always the one to get, you know, in the face of the batter, um, you know, managers causing a scene, arguing for their players, etc. cetera. Um, is there a place for that? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Um. This is probably the golfer in me, you know, kind of being a, 
a traditionalist, but I'm I'm all in on the unwritten rules of baseball. Um, yeah, sure, people people can get hurt, but you know how many times has someone been quote unquote seriously injured from you know I guess the usual re- retaliation that comes with things like this in baseball? Like I've I've never I'm sure maybe a absolute baseball super fan could point to one or two, but. I've never heard of a career-ending injury, very few, you know, in my lifetime, season-ending injuries, and this stuff rarely happens with the absolute superstars of the game, because most of the time, the absolute superstars of the game aren't acting like idiots after they hit jacks, like, that's, they get paid to hit fucking big-time homers, they've been there before, and you don't really see tons of guys going that far out, so, so yeah, when it comes back around, I mean, that's, that's just baseball, baby, and... The same thing happens in hockey. You know, pe- people, you know, you, you toe the line, you're going to get hit one way or another, and uh, that's that just kind of comes with it. So, you know, you're playing grown man ball, and sometimes it's going to come back around to bite you. As long as you're keeping it shoulders down, I'm so on board. Or, yeah. Yeah, shoulders, and, the shoulders and, and, down, and, and you know what? That's, that's clean, you know? Put him in his place for acting like a moron. I will, I will say Tim Anderson is leading all of baseball with a four eighteen batting average. So yeah, he, so he, he is playing himself. like a superstar. He's feeling no himself this year. Um, granted, it's a month into the season. Um, you know, everyone's due for a slump here and there. Uh, I have him on my fantasy team, so I fucking hope not. I mean, imagine, imagine hitting forty two percent through a month. You know, in in the majors, that's that's like single A numbers. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, I mean, I love it. I'm all for it, and um, I'm just waiting yeah, for the first adds, benches clearing brawl. It's bound yeah, to I mean, it adds flair to, to baseball in a, in a sport that's like generally pretty slow moving. Uh, you know, going to a game like we were talking with uh, Gardner before, it's a really good opportunity to take a nice nap on a on a warm Catch a spring day in Florida. Um, but I do think it adds some flair, and I, I I love the bat flipping. You know, when it's when it's warranted. You know, if it, if it's like a walk off or something like that. I mean, I don't even think his was. I think his was pretty early in the game. But, um, you know, when 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 the moment's right, fucking throw the bat into the stands for all I care. And then, <laughs> you know, live, live with the consequences. With that being said, like, just know that you might get a fucking you know a ding in the ass. Yeah, a snot. Yeah, rocket. exactly, and just live with that. And he probably he probably knew that was coming anyways. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. I I think he was just hoping he didn't get one off the fucking tip of the wiener. <laughs> uh, speaking of superstars, Tom, give a quick little shout out to the defending NL MVP Christian Yelich. He was playing like an absolute madman and has picked up right where he left off in 2018. You see, couldn't agree see, more. I just threw that shit up on our Instagram story that. He was like uh, feeling cute, might hit a home run against the Cardinals later. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's all he does: death, taxes, and Yelich going yard against the Cardinals. Those are the three <laughs> things you can count on in life. I, I will say the one interesting thing about Christian Yelich is that all of his home runs have been at home this year. He has not had a single road homer. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't I, I don't really have any you know reason or. I mean, he saves it for the fans. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Every every time that somebody hits a home run at, at Milwaukee's uh, at Milwaukee's park, there's a slide in like left center field, and somebody goes down the slide. So uh, he he does it for the kids. <laughs> he does it for the kids. All right, well, let's go ahead and just dive right into it. Not even get our toes wet. Uh, the NHL playoffs are here, uh, as you all very well know. Uh, we are just horny for hockey uh at least playoff hockey that is it is beyond electric we're in the thick of it um so we'll just dive in and and kind of give you guys a rundown so we'll give a quick congrats to the blue jackets the avalanche the islanders who just absolutely mopped the floor uh with their competition um moving on to the next round but there's still obviously a lot going on some nail biters uh in this first round here but Wanted to talk first and foremost about kind of these bigger upsets, um, that being, you know, Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh, and hear from you guys what your th- thoughts are on, you know, what was a bigger upset. Uh, yeah, definitely, I mean, go I, ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, t- Tampa getting swept by Columbus is 
hands down a, a bigger upset. I mean, the, pe- the Penguins weren't even, you know, they were the lower seed in that matchup uh, against the Islanders anyway, so it's hard to really say it's, a, it's an upset. I mean, granted, I know it's Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, but, uh, dude, Tampa Bay dominated the season. Far and away the best team in the NHL, and, and I don't know if it was cockiness or just overlooking, you know, Columbus and looking right to the next round, whoever that was going to be, but to, to, to get swept like that in the way that they did, I mean, hands down, that was the biggest surprise of the NHL playoffs. And, and and probably even when it's all said and done, will be the biggest surprise, regardless of, you know, who who ends up winning. No doubt. Uh, Tampa Bay, in case you didn't know, uh, tied the NHL regular season record for most victories. I think they had 62 wins, uh, which is an absolute insane amount of wins. Uh, 127 points, like Harry said, far and away the best regular season team this year. Uh I haven't seen someone run away with the President's Cup like that, um, President's Trophy, that is, in quite a long time. Uh, But, yeah, they couldn't be stopped, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, I mean, they went two games in the playoffs without scoring a goal. They were by far the highest-scoring team on the ice all season long. Uh, They were held scoreless back-to-back games, and then, of course, you know, they had the door shut shut on them by the Blue Jackets, who, by the way, had never even won a playoff series. Uh, so a little history mm-hmm. being made for them as well, yeah. And they just came out and and honestly big boyed the Lightning. So here's here's my question to you guys, uh, because I've heard it now pretty much on the radio everywhere, news news sources, articles. Um, does does the coach have to go? No, definitely definitely not. Like you know, you talk about 62, 62 wins. Uh, they go to the playoffs. I mean, this is you know, shit, man. Like what? third consecutive year plus you know so where where does it kind of end you know you you lose like you said to a team that has mm-hmm. not had a playoff appearance and not not only do you lose but you get swept and, and you know whether it was cockiness or not you still got swept uh by you know a less superior team um you know the stats showed it you know the the numbers showed it the players showed it all of it showed it but yeah i i don't think they'll fire him i think you know next year he's he's on certainly on thin ice i i you know they'll have a very like virginia basketball-esque return to the playoffs next year so you're, they're just you're too saying good they're gonna of a win team. the championship next year yeah, like they're just yeah. I, I don't think that's out of their own. Pot. I think that's a very you know likely scenario. Um, they're too good of a team, and and they'll have another strong year next year. They'll get to the playoffs. It'll be like you know that that learn from getting swept by the the Blue Jackets experience, and and uh, and they'll just come out and, and and dominate next year. That that's like what I would expect. I mean, I could be wrong, and if they don't do that, then yeah, sure, you know, put the put the coach on the chopping block. Right. I mean, I definitely agree. He's he's going to be on the hot seat next season. But you know, when you when you you have the far and away the best team. Of course, it sucks to be knocked out in the first round, and especially in a sweep fashion. But hockey is one of those game, one of those sports where just like, man, when you get in those playoff series and and the momentum swings against you, it's just it's hard to come back. It really is. And I don't know why they couldn't play their game. Honestly, the Blue Jackets are just were playing absolute staunch defense. Seth Jones is a badass. Um, they clearly came out firing in a way that they hadn't all season as far as putting pucks on net. But, yeah, I, I don't think you can fire Cooper after having just won 62 games. Yeah. Um, maybe if it was, you know, if it was any way, if they had missed the playoffs this year, sure. Um, he's been there since 2013, and, and they've been competitive really the whole time. They've had they've missed the playoffs once. So, um, you know, as long as you're giving yourself chances, there's no reason to think that they can't, be a, another 100-plus point team next year and kind of write the ship. So I would definitely ride it out one more time, and uh, just depending yeah. on what happens next season, you know, maybe you and, have to let him go. And huge shout-out to John Tortorella. I mean, that dude, he got he got that team, like, just confident, like, you know, we can, we can pull this off. I mean, after the first win, uh, which I believe was a comeback win uh, in Tampa, um, you know, he he just had he had those guys jacked up. You know, he they, there was not an ounce of doubt in their mind that they couldn't that they well, couldn't just win this. And series. going back to what I said, that's that's really where it is tough in hockey. You know, it's honestly probably the number one sport in my opinion uh, where like home ice or home field advantage um, matters. Uh, the playoffs are just so. Of course, in the NFL, you know, it's hard to win away in the playoffs. 
Um, but there's just a little more parity in hockey. And, you know, you, you go start the series at home and you lose one and then you're already fighting an uphill battle. And then especially when you yeah. lose two and you've got to go away and try and win the next two, I, it's just a game changer. Yeah. So, honestly, Columbus did everything right. Everything went wrong for Tampa. And that's that's about all you can chalk it up to. Well, I mean, on the – sorry. On, on the topic of parity here – Tomorrow night we got two game sevens. So in terms of parity, we got a couple very evenly matched teams. Um, of course, my Bruins are hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game Seven. Great, great series, dude. We that, already, that we series already know Toronto's awesome. history in Game Seven in Boston. Um, you know I'm going to be tuning in. You know who I'm pulling for. But what do you guys think about these other ones? And of course, we have uh, Golden the Golden Knights in San Jose at ten o'clock. Um, and San Jose is coming off a huge double overtime win to force a Game 7. Mm-hmm. Now they're at home. How does momentum in both of these series swing with, with, with both teams coming home on, you know, backs against the wall, road wins? Uh, I definitely like both home teams, especially uh, my team. You know, I'm a Preds fan. Being in the Western Conference, I've seen a lot of the San Jose Sharks over the last few years. And they're they're just a big burly team, and they've been there before. They've done it. Not to say obviously Las Vegas had quite the run last year, but yeah, I'd I'd be an idiot if I didn't take San Jose at home. Man, yeah. Listen, I, you know, I gotta disagree with you here. I think San Jose, you know, I, I agree with you in the sense that they're a big burly team. They 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 show up to the playoffs, uh, cocked, locked, and ready to rock every time, and then it's a fucking misfire. Uh, I think these guys just. I don't know what it is, um, and maybe this is their year playing against, you know, a, a younger second-year franchise. Um, but honestly, kind of going toe-to-toe with these guys, like I said, a second-year franchise team, uh, having just coming, you know, off of a, a Stanley Cup loss, um, you know, to, to the Capitals, um, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Vegas winning this game. Um you know, I I agree with you that San Jose's got talent, but I just feel like every time they step into the playoff light uh, limelight, they 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 putter out. I just I'm just kind of looking yeah. over the last you know couple of years, um, you know, and I just think that they have the team and the players to do it. Um, but it's been similar to what we saw with the Capitals, and maybe they prove me wrong and they win a Stanley Cup this year. But I just feel like they they've had a team that's been able to produce, uh, and they just haven't been able to get it over the finish line. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a close game. I mean, uh, you know, Jonathan Marshall is playing great. Mark Stone's playing great. Uh, Wild Bill Carlson's been been his usual self. But um, I just think the Sharks are they're a little bit too sturdy on the defensive end, um, yeah. you know, I with mean, Burns and Carlson. And then I think Vander Kane's been playing great. He's got this – he's a cocky little shit, but – uh, you know, he backs it up at least. And uh, so I, I think the Sharks are more of the sure thing. I think this Leafs-Bruins game is, is certainly the, the one to tune in for if you're going to yeah. tune in for one of them because, you know, just just offensively loaded both teams. Um, and, I, I mean, I've the Leafs, I'm pulling for the Leafs, sorry, Tom, just because, you know, they've, they've had a long time of, of very, very average hockey or below average hockey really. And, uh, you know, I know they sell out their season tickets every single year, like, without, you know, I think they have, like, a record for how many years they've, they've sold out games. Um, well, that's, and uh, so I think that, I think it should be a fine. cool thing for that fan base to get to. Yeah. The, the, only, but that, the only thing that, is that the entire city of Boston is just, like, championship hungry. And we saw the Sox. We saw the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now the Celtics Fucking and Boston's the Bruins are both, you know, pulling for a championship push here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm almost pulling for Toronto too, just because if the Bruins do win and then the Celtics do win, like I might, I don't ever need to watch sports again, and that just sounds so boring. All right, shut the fuck yeah, up. Honestly, let's hang this kid. Well, dude, Ugh, suck all, it, losers. In all seriousness, <laughs> though, uh, this is why I absolutely love and get a tingle in my pants for playoff hockey. I mean, you have some extremely electric games you've got calgary who i actually was banking on making a serious run uh in the playoffs winnipeg out uh penguins out tampa bay out you know islanders with 
former Capitals coach Barry Trotz making a push. Um, you know, I, I'm going to put it out there. I want to throw it out there. You know, what are the odds that we see the Islanders and the Capitals facing uh, in this next round? Well, on on that note, quick, the Caps just lost five to two, um, wow. force, forcing a game seven. Um, it, it was three to two, and then um, I have it on now. Carol, or Carolina just put in two like empty net goals, so it was a lot closer than the scoreboard showed. They did win six zero last game, so I think they need. To... <laughs> yeah, at home, at home, things might be a little different. But, yeah, yeah, but honestly, so what do you think? Um. I mean, I, I are, they, are they lined up to play in the next round? I'm pretty sure. I haven't even. I, I haven't. I, I, I don't have a playoff train in front of me, but I thought that if, that, if that's the case, I mean, if that's the case, it's a six series. I mean, dude, the Islanders are playing, you know, pretty much better than anyone right that's now. That's electric. Um, I mean, Barry Trotz knowing their offense, their defense, the ins and the outs. I mean, obviously, yeah. they change things up. You got it. You got to give advantage to the Islanders for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was I was thinking about that, but then again, you know, Tom said they they lost tonight. They've been kind of going toe to toe uh, a little bit too much and too long. I think they've dragged this along a little bit too much with uh, Carolina, but I, I think they'll get it done. Um, so I would be shocked if Carolina wins Game Seven. I would yeah. be absolutely shocked. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and move into our final segment here which is the NFL draft. Um, what are we, T-minus three days away, you said, Harry? Yeah, three days. I mean, this, this afternoon, you know, maybe. I know there's been there's been coverage for a long time, but for whatever reason, I feel like this year, more than years past, it's kind of just snuck up on us. Um, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden you keep, you know, you keep getting all the Todd, you know, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper and all that stuff, but for whatever reason, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the draft's in three days. Um, I don't know why that is, but, uh, you know, couple things uh this is a a defensive just juggernaut of an nfl draft um some you know in terms of the prospects coming out uh i guess the the main question is that everyone's been trying to figure out is does arizona go kyler murray number one uh i'm going yes uh everyone is is saying he's too small he's he's this he's that the fact is he's a heisman winning quarterback and the last Heisman-winning quarterback to get drafted number one overall turned arguably the worst franchise in NFL history into an immediate playoff contender overnight. Um, yeah, but he was also stacked and surrounded by talent. Uh, I wouldn't quite say that. I mean, but it, you know, in comparison to what Kyler Murray would have uh, in Arizona. He would have an ancient Larry Fitzgerald... Yeah, you would have David Johnson, that. who hopefully is a bounce back here because he he was rough. But I mean, their their O line is shit. Here's the problem with taking Kyler. I understand, you know, they would probably just get rid of Josh Rosen. However, however they would do that through draft picks, whatever. But there, it's it's like a classic Browns thing where you're like you're forcing the issue and you're not fixing like the real root problems of the team. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think everyone's in agreement that the quarterback is not. The I mean it's 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 an issue there to the extent that Rosen just isn't ready. Will he ever be ready? You know that that's only a, they know that a time and an investment that they're going to have to deal with. But it, I think you're right. Where if you just you know you keep trying to plug one hole that's got a thousand other holes around it, you're not going to fix the problem. Right. And well, I mean, right. well, I I, I I like Josh Rosen. I do. But for some reason, like. Everything that Kingsbury said about like, oh, if I had the number one pick, yeah, I'd take Murray. Taylor. You know, sure, sure enough, the the draft's coming and he has the number one pick. And I don't know, Kingsbury just doesn't seem like a guy to me that's going to go back on his word. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to fix the Arizona Cardinals, but as far as I'm concerned, I think that they think it's going to fix it, and they're going to take Murray number one. Uh, here's the reason I, I completely agree with Harry and you know Tom. Tom did as well about you know you, you just keep keep trying to f- fix one single issue on the team when when really the rest of your team is garbage or old. One of those two things. Uh, you, it's certainly not going to fix it overnight. You know it's they're not going to be quite the success that the Browns are without some significant 
free agent signings and, and a good draft around Kyler Murray this year. But, you know, to me, I think the reason that it's clear uh, that Kingsbury does go with Kyler is just that, you know, you can either – one, you have to ask yourself, as a first-time head coach, am I, do I think I'm good enough with the people already in this building to prove myself? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, So if, if I already think like maybe this, this boat is taking on water as it is, then I, I have a 50-50 fucking chance here to either look like a genius and, and have a huge gamble payoff or to do something that every other team has done multiple times, which is whiff on your first overall draft pick, you know. So, I, yeah. risk versus reward, it's it's a tough ass spot to be in, but but the reward is is a lot greater than the risk here, in my opinion. You know, you're so you're going after someone who could be could be a game changer, could be a Drew Brees slash Baker Mayfield type, and you know if he's not, then then you've done something that every other team in the league has done at some point, and you go you go. Either sign another guy, if assuming you've already traded away Rosen, or you just stick with what you've got, you know, and try and pick up the pieces around him. You've got another six freaking yeah. rounds to to draft good players around Kyler Murray or Josh Rosen, depending on how it all shakes out. And you know, to me, as it, it's you know, a lot of the variable to me is the fir- the fact that he's a first time head coach, not only of this franchise and the cards he's been dealt, but in this league period. So you, you have to you have to roll those dice. So on the on the the trade note, uh, we'll transition away from uh, the Cardinals a little bit because I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Rosen gets dealt on draft day, and obviously one team that needs or is going to need to start looking for a quarterback soon is the Patriots. Now, the Patriots have twelve picks in this draft. We usually go into the draft with like four to six picks at best, whether that's from Goodell taking them from us or trades (laughs) or whatever. With 12 picks, I find it hard that Belichick is not going to be like, oh, take take this conditional pick or take these picks and we'll take Josh Rosen. I would not be surprised that Thursday night Josh Rosen is a New England Patriot. What ha- okay, so first of all, can we... Uh, I guess I wouldn't be shocked either, and I would also say that one of the other likely landing spots for him, um, again, it all depends on what happens with that number one overall pick. Uh, probably the two biggest chances are, three biggest chances are him being A, an Arizona Cardinal, B, a New England Patriot, or C, a New York Giant. So, who have uh, two two first-round picks of their own, yeah. in fact. Anything but the Giant. But so, Tom... Question and please educate me on this. How in the fucking hell uh, are the reigning champs uh, being given twelve draft picks? How how did this happen? Um, just uh, it, I don't exactly know how like compensatory picks work. It Goodell depends give on it like, to him? who you, who you lose from um, you know free agency. You get extra picks. Um, we had a couple picks that came via trade. Uh, one, I think, came from the Dolphins when we dealt Danny Amendola. Or no, he signed as a free agent. I don't really know. We have 12 picks. I don't know. Like, I don't think there's enough room on the roster to have 12 people drafted. So I just I don't. They're just going to use it as car. They're just going to hand them out as, as, like, cards to people. You get a pick, and you yeah. get a pick. No, they'll they'll be... I mean, at the end of the day, all it comes down to is that's just that's just good management. You just yeah. want a fucking Super Bowl, and now you yeah. have twelve picks to to mess around with, trade them, do whatever you want to so do with them. On on that um, note, the yeah. as much as I think we need to start planning for the future after Brady, this draft is loaded with defensive studs, and it would be dumb of us not to trade up X amount of picks and get a big name defender. I know that's not the Patriot way, uh, but you know, with twelve picks, you can kind of get a little, uh, you know, a little, you know, out of your out of your window of of, of what's normal yeah. and, and what's comfortable. And what do you guys? What do you guys need? A linebacker, probably, right? Definitely need kind a of linebacker. A um, yeah, and there's good one. There's three good ones, four good ones, but there's obviously the Devons, Devin Bush, Devin White, and then there's Trey Lamar from Clemson who probably won't be until a late first or early second but the two 
Devins will probably go from anywhere from 5 to 15. I would imagine both of them. I think the Giants might grab Devin White, who's the LSU uh, Dick Buckus award winner, um, with the number six pick. That's what I'm hoping. I want them to stay away from quarterback for now just because I don't, I don't fully trust this quarterback draft class. And there's way too many good, t- too much good talent on the defensive side to, to not go that route. Yeah. Well, what is uh, <laughs> what is this here? I see at the very bottom. Cool, coolest oh, draft pick name. So I, I found a guy with the coolest name. Obviously, this is like, you know, I was just kind of doing some some light research and I uh, came across a guy. His name is Rock Yasin. Um, and he's a cornerback from the University of Temple or Temple University. Man, and he's also a, a he's a projected first round pick. He's like a top five cornerback prospect, and I just thought it was a cool name. I thought I'd, I'd bring, shed some light on the guy. Interesting. I haven't heard a name that swag since Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Yeah, Rock Yasin. <laughs> Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. All right, well, gentlemen, you guys is, uh, have anything last? Segments, bits, NFL drafts. Um, um no, not really. No, right. I mean, I, 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 I can shed some light on the Yankees real quick because I know that they're floating around 500. But life will be better for the Yankees soon enough once they get over this injury bug that seems to just be getting worse before it gets any better. Um, but Clint Frazier, who is the Red Rocket, just you know. The absolute man uh, had a bad concussion problem last year. He's absolutely crushing it right now. He's got seven home runs. He's hitting three thirty, and he's pretty much the uh, the lifeblood of the Yankees right now. And the only reason why they're they're pulling out some games. So, well, shit, man. It's a, it's an early uh, and rough start to the season. Just was having a word with it about about it. I should say with my grandfather, and he's extremely disappointed. Um, yeah. Not only with the Yankees, but with me. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I digress. So, uh, Tom, I'll kick it over to you for your buzzer beater to close us out here, my man. Uh, I know we don't really hit on this a lot, but obviously the NBA playoffs are also in full swing. The Celtics just completed a four-game sweep of the Indiana Pacers, and I am – it's, it's more than likely going to be the Milwaukee Bucks that we draw in the next round, the number one seed, the best team um, in basketball record-wise. Bring them on. Um, I know I, I'm getting a little you know, pompous here and cocky with the Boston sports talk, but Kyrie Irving is a different animal in the playoffs. There is not a person on this earth that can guard him, and I love this Boston team moving forward. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't see why we can't win another championship and just look out for Boston. You heard it here first. Well, uh, all you beautiful people, it was an absolute pleasure entertaining you and educating you tonight. Make sure you go and check us out both on iTunes and Spotify. Additionally, go and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We will make sure to show you some love, give you some shout-outs, uh, and obviously provide any content that you want to hear. So I'll go ahead and turn it over to our host, Brent, to close us out with a little music guy. Uh, here's a little fun one for you guys. On this day in history, 2001, a uh, little female supergroup called Destiny's Child went number one with their Ooh. single Survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we're going to just play it on out to some fucking OG stuff. Been a long time Let's since go. any of us have listened to Destiny's Child. So we'll see you boys next week. Love it. Peace. Peace. I love you. You
hard to believe that you are at home by yourself When I just heard the voice, heard the voice of someone else Just this question, why do you feel you gotta lie? Getting caught up in your game when you cannot say my name